Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today we're talking about another incredible athlete. Her advocacy ushered in real change for women around the world when the establishment leaders in sports refused to make change themselves. Women who have competed in the Olympics have this steadfast contender to thank for it. We're talking about Alice Milia. Alice Milia was born in 1884 and grew up in Nantes, France. There, she started her career as a teacher before moving to England and getting married. But after her husband passed away in 1908, her life changed course. She traveled the world learning languages and became a successful translator. The start of World War I drew Elise back to France, where she remained after the war's conclusion. The period following World War I was full of great social change. Gender equality and suffrage were the hot topics in France's national conversation and around the world. Feminism was on the rise, and it was with this backdrop that Elise appeared on the public scene. Elise was passionate about athletics, especially rowing, and believed that sports were a good method for building confidence in girls. So in 1919, she officially requested that the International Olympic Committee allow women to participate in track and field. At the time, women could only participate in a small handful of low-impact sports at the Olympics, but the International Olympic Committee refused. After all, the IOC historically had a highly traditional view of women's role in society. The second president of the organization said, I do not approve of the participation of women in public competitions. In the Olympic Games, their primary role should be to crown the victors. Frustrated by the rejection and with the momentum of the women's movement behind her, Elise created the International Women's Sports Federation, or FSFI for its name in French, in 1921. The following year, the FSFI launched the first Women's Olympic Games in Paris. Women were allowed to compete in all kinds of competitions, including the 1,000-meter race and shot put throw. 38 countries were affiliated with the organization. Male-dominated sporting organizations, like the IOC and the International Association of Athletic Federations, were displeased with Elise's independent movement, to say the least. In 1926, the FSFI struck a deal where it agreed to follow International Association of Athletic Federation's rules in exchange for adding women's track and field to the next Olympic Games. In those games, women were finally allowed to run an 800-meter race, the longest distance yet. But the event caused controversy for a reason that feels unheard of today. Spectators were shocked to see the female competitors appear sweaty and out of breath after running their race. One newspaper headline called the racers 11 Wretched Women. The event was perceived to be too strenuous for women, and it was subsequently banned until 1960. This controversy demonstrates the state of women's sports in the eyes of the world at the time, and exactly what Elise was up against. The FSFI continued to hold women-only sporting events, drawing thousands of spectators. Between 1922 and 1934, it organized four events involving hundreds of athletes. 
At age 52, Elise announced that she intended to retire from her position at the forefront of sports politics by the end of the year. However, the International Association of Athletic Federations was tired of Elise's competing Olympic events, and it proposed that it would ban its members from Elise's FSFI events. In a final act of advocacy, Elise traveled to Sweden and addressed the organization, calling once again for women to be fully included in the official Olympic Games. Her speech helped, but in 1936, the International Association of Athletic Federations voted to take over women's athletics, thereby killing the FSFI. They did agree to add three more women's events to the Olympics, bringing the total to nine. Elise passed away in Paris in 1957. Though the FSFI dissolved in the end, her groundbreaking impact on women's sports is undeniable. She gave hundreds of women opportunities to live out dreams that otherwise would have been impossible. This episode of Encyclopedia Womanica is brought to you by Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. I'm really excited to say that my cousin and her two little girls are expecting a Little Passports box for themselves. I can't wait to hear what they think, especially right now when I know that my cousin and parents all over are trying to figure out new and different ways to incorporate learning into play. Little Passports is award-winning and has the parent-tested, parent-approved seal. For $12.95 a month, there's tons to explore, right from your home with Little Passports. If you're feeling inspired by listening to our explorers and contenders this month, Little Passports is the perfect way to get your kids involved and think about exploring for themselves from the comfort and safety of your home. And just for our listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off the price of any subscription. Use the offer code Encyclopedia at checkout for 15% off your order. That's Encyclopedia at littlepassports.com. All month, we're talking about explorers and contenders. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our Encyclopedia Womanica newsletter, Womanica Weekly. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica, and you can follow me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Before you go, I want to tell you about another show I think you might like. 43% of women leave the traditional workforce when they have children. Claudia Reuter, a former stay-at-home mom who went on to be a venture-backed CEO, is the host of The 43%. It's a podcast from Wonder Media Network that talks to women about their journeys towards creating lives that include both family and career. Now more than ever, the identities we've built for ourselves, for work, and for parenthood are suddenly blurring. Some of the women that Claudia speaks with this season have always lived in this middle ground. Some are navigating the space for the first time. But each one will help us work through what's become an increasingly urgent question. How do we bring our whole selves to work? Listen and subscribe to The 43% wherever you get your podcasts.